Getting split Getting ready. Split Getting ready. split ready. Getting split ready. For my wife, God rest her soul. Oh God, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. She's not dead. <laughs> We're just divorced. Unscripted and honest discussions on divorce and separation. Getting split ready. What was I supposed to tell him? I divorced you from the show. Here's your hosts, Doug Katz and Mariah Pleasant. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Getting Split Ready. Great show here for uh, February. With us, we have Allison Turoff from the Cambridge Law Group. Oh, or the Greenwich Law Greenwich. Group. Greenwich. Cambridge. There you go. We talked about it before. <laughs> I guess practicing doesn't. Greenwich Law Group. I did that so we could say it a couple times. Josh Berngard from Buzzer Real Estate. Yes, and one of our divorce realty pros. We just did a five-question interview with him. He should check out on our blog. And Terry Vanover, who is one of our divorce coaching pros. So we've got a lot going on right now. So, Josh. Yes. Super Bowl just ended a couple weeks ago, right? Yes, sir. Start of the real estate season. Yes, it is. So talk to me about what people getting divorced right now probably have to sell a property. What are they looking at in the next quarter? Uh Smiley faces and quick sales. It's uh, it's been wonderful with the, with the interest rates being as low as they are. Uh, as long as they stay where they are, things have the inventory has been moving extremely fast. So it really comes down to preparing your house for the sale, like together, which is the usually the issue that we have when when dealing with divorcees or getting ready uh, when they're when they're not fighting if they're if they're you know amicable, getting it ready and getting it on the market. So if two people are thinking about divorce or they're in the contemplative stage, what would you tell them in terms of preparing the house? Because that is a challenge. Not only are they trying to figure out who gets what, but they want the house to look good in the process if they need to sell it. You got it. So the first thing I would say is declutterize. Anything that you haven't used in the last three to four months, get it into a box and either get it in the basement, in a box, in the garage, somewhere out of the house. Three right? to four months, you're tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, again, all, all of our summer clothes, right? We, we haven't used them in the last three or four months. Box them up. Let the let the closet look like it has some room in it, so it's not, you know, compact. And then anything else, if you have kids, you know, all, all situations are going to change. But if you have that, again, three or four months, if you haven't used it, in my opinion, let's box it up. You're planning on moving anyways. I call it pre-packing. 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 We're getting ready. Got it. So if so, if resources are tight, which they sometimes are in a divorce. Um, where do they get the most bang for their buck in looking at the house? I know that when I sold a house a few years ago, uh, the realtor who looked at our house said the laundry room really needed a quick reno, and it wasn't super expensive, but it really added value to the house because a lot of the other rooms were done, but that one was important. Are there other rooms that you can think of or easy ways to get? Ooh, uh, that, that is a really loaded question, yes. <laughs> um, if we're talking about a house that has been updated at all, right then okay. by all means we can match the other rooms like it must like you just said half of your rooms were already done mm -hmm. and then it was like oh the laundry room mm -hmm. the scenario that i usually walk into is not just one room that hasn't been touched we're talking about multiple rooms that hasn't been touched and i always say to someone do not redo the kitchen and, and the bathroom if you haven't done it yet the okay. idea is that you're going to pick a granite or you're going to pick a course you're going to pick a, a countertop that's dark where the next person is going to want light right we can discuss what hit you're going to take and say, okay, if you do nothing, this is what we're going to sell for. If you do something, this is what you're going to sell for. And usually the difference between, especially when negotiating, it, it, it's, it's, it's slim. Your well, and that's what I was going to ask. I was yeah. going to ask Allison. You know, it's interesting, right, because we've got these crossover with the different professionals here. When the negotiation's going on for how, how the divorce is going to turn out, and you're getting into a spring market, let's say, where you know that you can sell it better, 
and you're looking at some of the market conditions. How does that affect the negotiation for the, the divorce decree? It actually becomes a pretty big issue. We try to plan in advance when people are not sure what they're going to be doing with the house. Come February, we start pushing really hard for people to make those decisions and decide, are you selling? Are is someone keeping the home and trying to refinance? What are we doing? Because this is when they're going to get the most money. Usually the attorneys want to be paid. Oftentimes we're getting paid out of the proceeds of that home. So we start really pushing hard in February, March, too. And the judges are far more inclined to push the parties if they're not sure what they want to do during the spring market because they know they're going to be able to deal with that house more what quickly, about, too. What about fixing things like what Josh is talking about? Everybody's looking at the assets then. Are you more inclined in those negotiations and say, let the next person deal with it, let's get what we can and cut bait? Yeah, we are normally dealing with so many different types of things. We, as the attorneys, generally try to leave that up to the realtors to negotiate. If they tell us, oh, look, put a few thousand dollars in and do this painting, do this cleaning, hire somebody to do this or that, we'll, of course, encourage the parties to do that, especially if it's going to produce some sort of real change. But otherwise, we um, let the realtor take the lead. And if the, unless the parties are really fighting about you know, one person really wants to invest money and the other one doesn't. A question that I get a lot, and I think it's interesting from the legal perspective, is what do we do if we've got agreement on most everything, but we still haven't sold the house? Can the divorce be finalized before the house is sold? And how do we do that in a way that makes sense? What are your thoughts on that? We do that all the time, actually. Um, and we do it in kind of a two-step process. So it sort of depends if the parties know for sure that they're selling. Um, we try to make sure that they have agreed on a realtor. They've agreed on a list price. So we don't have an argument about that because that can sometimes be an issue as well. But if we have an agreement on the realtor and an agreement on the list price, then it gets kind of simple. Um, we'll have a separate side agreement that's not part of the court record that talks about reductions in list price over periods of time um, so that if there is a question, if the house is sitting there, the parties aren't fighting later about what they should list it for or not list it for or re um, reduce the list price. Um, so we keep that out of the court record so that any potential buyers can't go dig it up in the court file and use it against the sellers because buyers have been known to do that. They'll find out, they'll get wind that this house is being sold because it's a divorce mm -hmm. and they'll go pull the they divorce vulture. file. They vulture. They do. They it's will true. Go it's true. It's yeah. true. So we keep all those terms separate. And then we just have provisions in the agreement for how the proceeds will be divided. Usually they're paying off some debts or they're just being divided between the parties somehow. Terry, when you're coaching and you're talking to clients who are usually in the planning stages of divorce or thinking about it, or are they mostly engaged in it already? It varies. I've got you know clients all over from the beginning process, which is the best time to have your resources and your support team there, right? Because you can be doing your healing and making sure that you're making the best decisions for your long-term future. Um, but, you know, it varies across the board. Is the house usually one of the, the first things that they're kind of kicking around and trying to figure out what on earth are we going to do with this? I find that women are more emotionally attached to the home. So it's helping many of my clients that have that emotional attachment to their home, understand what the long-term repercussions are and looking at 
the costs versus, you know, the benefits of keeping the home, like what is the best long-term decision. So, but it's also helping them to explore maybe some of those emotional aspects of, of giving up a home perhaps that they've raised their children with. And so there's a lot of sentiment. And for a lot of my clients, they might be grieving the loss of not only their marriage, but the loss of their home. So I think that's something to understand as you're you're going through this for, you know, attorneys and realtors, they see this as a transaction, but for many people, it is an emotional loss that they're experiencing. Both of of you talked a little bit about realtors, right? Picking realtors. I I would be interested to hear, one, what you look for in a realtor when you're referring, and two, why sometimes someone they might have used in in the past might not be the right realtor for them in the divorce situation. So Allison first, what do you think? Um, if the parties ask me, I will definitely specifically refer them to someone. Sometimes that gets tricky if it's a contested case. If it's a collaborative case, if the parties are working together amicably, that's different. But if it's a contested case, oftentimes neither party wants the suggestion of the other person's lawyer because somehow that's tainted. Um, So we don't do a lot of referrals in that way unless they specifically ask us to do that. Um, I will generally tell them, is there someone that you, if there's someone that you like, use them if you can both agree because it's just one less thing to argue about. Um, But if they have no suggestions and they're open to us suggesting people, then we'll do it. I usually confer with my opposing attorney though before we do that just so that everyone's on the same page. Um, and then if, I'm so sorry. Well, generally like what you look for when you refer, like do you really think that there's such thing as like a divorced specialized realtor? I think that there. <laughs> Can I teach that up over right there? There's yeah. one sitting right there you to my left. After, that's fine. <laughs> there's only six of us. <laughs> hey, that's why you're one of our divorce realtors. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no, but it's very helpful if you have someone who knows what it's what it's like to deal with parties who are getting divorced because um, the negotiations and dealing with people who have different goals. Sometimes some person, some people are less motivated to get out of the house than others. Um, I can I do not envy the divorce realtors because they are in a tough spot yeah. um, and they have to do a lot of negotiating between the parties and have a really good relationship with both of them that probably I would imagine is not the same when you have an amicable couple who is an intact family and they're just moving. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. So true. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Sometimes that emotional attachment will cause resistance. Yeah, for sure. So, Josh, as a... Uh, divorce Realty Pro, sure. what sets you apart or other professionals like you? Or th- I mean, there are some probably that aren't uh, part of the six, yeah, yeah, but are sure. still better at it than others. And there's some who don't want to div- touch a divorce with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, What should people look for in a realtor when they're going through this? So the truth is, have you ever done it before? Has anyone actually done a divorce situation before? Because like she, or again, you're on the radio, uh, as they, they both mentioned, uh, you know, there's always going to be one person usually in the in, in the relationship that is the alpha, right? That's how relationships work. There's usually one alpha, especially in this situation. Someone is going to be like, I want to get rid of the house. The other one might not. So you have to realize, and especially what you're saying, to, to communicate with two people at the same exact time does not happen on my side of the business. Like she said, the one time when I get called in is usually when it's high conflict. I never get the sweet and amicable people because they're working with someone that they already know. So it's someone that's bringing me in. So it's really me having and willing to have the patience, if you will, to have two conversations 
at two separate times communicating the same information and then getting them to cross paths without knowing they're crossing paths, right? So it's like, okay, so does this work for you? Does this work for you? And like, oh, wonderful. Then it works for me too. And it's like their idea, not mine. It's, it's the way of speaking with them because if not, it, it, is, it is just when, you know, when I first started, when I didn't know anything, I would usually look at it as a normal transaction. It is not. These not. people, my two, my two sellers, if you will, are not communicating. They don't want to help each other. It is, it is this influx because the situation for me is they know that they need to sell. Normally by the time I get called in, right? You guys cannot afford it. It's been said behind walls that you guys cannot afford to stay in this house together and one of you guys something buy or rent something else. So the conversation's already happened like this in best scenario, we should liquidate this asset. And like I said, one person is usually really for it. The other one is really not normally. Sometimes they're both amicable about that, but working together, the lies, deceits, and everything that goes on at the same time of us trying to liquidate something is not so easy. So what do you look for? Let me answer the question. First one, really good communicator. Have they ever done it before, right? Um, and oh, I guess the third thing I would really tell someone to look for is to, to have them sit down with them face-to-face and not only a phone call because you can get a lot from someone's body language and you'll know if you feel comfortable with that person instead of just saying, here it is. I think there's an emotional capacity too that I, I mean, it is a transaction, 100%. but it's a very difficult transaction for some more than others, but for some it's really hard. And I think to Terry's point earlier, not only are they mourning you know, the house or the family that they've built in the house, but a lot of people have projections of the future in that house. What's Christmas going to look like with our grandkids in this house? So they're mourning the future too. So it's big. It's huge. And if yeah. you as a realtor haven't the capacity to deal with that, don't want to deal with it, which is fine, I think then that's probably a challenge too for a realtor to to view it solely as a transaction when for some people it's so much more. It's always more. Right? Again, like to your point, the idea is if, I, if, if you're not emotionally attached, right? if I just sit in there, oh, this is what we're going to do, and you could see that they're, 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 they're talking to one or the other person, normally you're going to see that, and then the other person is going to feel left out. And like you said, there is an emotional piece to this. It's like, okay, and, and my estimation when we're talking, the emotions that you're referring to have already crossed their mind. Mm-hmm. So now when I'm talking about it, like I said, I, I can look at them and see who is really distraught about what's going on. And then what when I start talking about what we have to do to get it ready, that's when it really hits. When I say to them, pack up all of your personal belongings, take every picture of your kids and of your family off the walls so people don't see it, mm-hmm. You immediately I know who I'm talking to and who is going to be the individual that's going to start crying or tearing up or you know what that looks like. And so definitely, again, the emotional piece is huge. I just, you know, the psyche is, is, is big in all sales, I think. But this is definitely something you have to be willing because the emotion is going to come at you. It's going to come at you from two ways. And sometimes they just need to be able to come out and be heard. And it, it's part of that process that you have to yeah, allow. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, 100%. It was great dialogue. I got to bring it to a close on this. But question. Hit it. And we went real deep. Someone's looking at trying to figure out what to do with the property going into spring. What's your call, I think? So... Ask the question again. Based on the market, <laughs> what's your call? Someone's got to figure out going into spring. Yeah. January, February, big divorce months. They're trying to figure out what to do with the house. What do you think? Once again, it's a very loaded question. What do I think? I think that if, in fact, you need to sell because you can't afford it, this would be the time to get it on the market before the market changes. Good. Right? Yep. I don't know what the market's coming, but it, at this point in time, the projection is we should have a really strong 
first and second quarter. Cool. I do have one more question for you. It came up in a conversation with a client today. Great. Um, whether or not to get an appraisal of the home, one of them wanted an appraisal. The other wanted to get a competitive market analysis from the realtor and thought that that would carry just as much weight because the realtor has a better pulse on the market and what it'll actually sell for versus the appraiser. Thoughts? Thoughts. Uh, I think both are great. Yes, I think the realtor, again, I, I agree with you, has a better pulse. However, the appraiser is what the bank is going to look at. The bank obviously decides no matter what I say it's worth and what you believe it's worth and what we sell it for, if the bank comes in and says it's less than, then I have to fight it which I fought a few times, but again, I would say cheaply, don't buy an appraiser. However, if someone's really pushing, it's $300, $400. If it's gonna make it a little bit smoother, get the appraisal. Great information. If somebody wants to get hold of you, I'm, I was gonna ask where, but sure. they can go to the Split Ready Divorce Pro Network. Yes, they can. Look you up, you're there. Yes. Where else can they get hold of you? Uh, you can go to buzzerrealestate.com or our phone number, 312-927-5160. Awesome. And if you are thinking about divorce, please visit splitready.com and take our free assessment. You can come through your divorce with your finances, your integrity, and your sanity intact. Be informed, ask questions, and be split ready.